One of the reasons I love being with OutKick is you can have these conversations. And in having these conversations, sure, sure, it's not as big of a platform right now as ESPN, but it will be because you all will realize what a blank show. What a blank show our media is, whether it's ESPN, Jalen Rose, and these guys lying about, in fact, lying about facts, who got killed, to this arrogant ass sitting, oh, I don't think it's interesting. Shut up. And nobody will criticize her. Why? Because all these media guys think the same thing. They're all left-leaning. How about we just have, like me, no leaning? No leaning. Just beat. That's a fact. Let's go. Man, that stuff just infuriates me. It really does. And I don't think I'm saying this harshly enough because I've been asked not to swear on this show. And in this case, it's really difficult. But this lady sits up there with a student that asks a great question. She can't answer the question in any factual manner. All she does is give an opinion on whether she deems it interesting. Uh, Okay, well, I deem it interesting that 16% of the people would have been influenced about that. Don't you feel some sense of responsibility as a media member labeling something disinformation? And what did we learn? That was the question. What did we learn? She couldn't answer the question. See, I would be bad. I would be a bad college president. I need to sit right here because I would call that moderator guy in and say, look, you're awful. Yeah, maybe you have tenure, but go do your tenure in a closet. And if you want to ban somebody from campuses like colleges want to do, ban people like this apple bomb who clearly have an agenda that is against anything that this country stands for. Truth, honesty, fairness. But we just go go along. You'll never see this on CBS. You'll never see this on CNN. You won't see this anywhere. Because it's all in cahoots. That's why it's so important for things. Outkick, so important. Blaze, so important. Allison Williams, so important. Because I don't have an agenda. You think I wanted to talk about this today? Hell no. The Masters is starting, and I'm going to get it done. It's unbelievable. It's really unbelievable. All right? You want another media creation? I'm going to give you another media creation. You know what his name is? His name is Adam Silver. Adam Silver's a really smart guy. Adam Silver is the kind of guy that everybody tells me you kind of like hanging out with. All right? You do. You kind of like, I don't know, chilling with Adam Silver. But Adam Silver broke the cardinal rule of dealing with players. And that is, to players, kindness is weakness. Adam Silver is considered the best, the best commissioner in the professional sports world. Let's go that route. I'm not going to include college commissioners. I'm just going to say in the professional sports world. Why? Because he's the most woke. Because he gives in to players the most. Because players are the thing, right? Players are the social justice warriors, social media, blah, 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 blah. And Adam Silver was right there marching along with him. We're woke. Yay! We're woke. Yay! Well, he violated a rule that you really can't go back from. Two players, kindness is weakness. To rich players, kindness 
is weakness. To NBA players, to college players, maybe not high school players, don't know. Kindness is weakness. So Adam Silver basically, for years, let NBA players run roughshod over him. Whatever they want, he did. Whatever they did, he excused. He was like that dorky uncle that everybody really liked. Now, all of a sudden, Adam Silver has a problem. He got a major problem. His game is unwatchable. Players don't really try. And, most importantly, he is now saying, oops, oh, man, the, quote, superstars aren't playing enough. You think? Really? No kidding, Adam. When you have lowered or no expectations for people, they meet them every time. When you don't have folks in your operation that have immense pride in themselves and showing up to work every day, which has now become very a, a very small portion of the country that actually has immense pride and showing up to work every day. And I'll give you a hint. Those aren't the people playing in the NBA or any other professional league. I mean, hell, in professional football, they play on Sunday. Hell, they don't reconvene till Wednesday. A little bit Wednesday, a little bit Thursday, little, uh, we're done. I mean, if it were up to NBA guys, they wouldn't even play. They'd just take a salary, dress up like clowns, and away we go. That's all. I mean, the Indiana Pacers actually, true story, they actually celebrate on the way in like it's a runway how guys are dressing. That's the NBA. That's Adam Silver's NBA. But don't forget all your little media pukes because they're all left-leaning. Silver is the most left-leaning. They say Adam Silver is the best. Really? Are you truly the best commissioner of a professional sport if your best players don't play? Think about that. Are you really the best? If If you have provided an area where players don't have to play and there's no consequence for not playing. Well, of course you are. If you say things like, we support the players. We love social issues. Then you become the best commissioner in the sport. But by definition, you can't be the best commissioner in a sport if your best players are given free run of the entire freaking league. And there is no, and I mean zero, leadership among the on-court slash practice teams. There's no leadership among teams, none. Players come and go as they want. Hell, here in Indiana, we got a guy named T.J. Warren. Hadn't played in two years. Two years this guy hadn't played. He played in a bubble. Really good in a bubble. Hasn't played since. Didn't play an entire year. Was healthy. Didn't play. They said he was hurt early. Hell, the Pacers... Uh, they were, t- well, you know, Miles Turner's going to, no, he's not. Malcolm Brogdon made $22 million a year playing 30 games. You know how much $22 million a year is? I, Eli Lilly is right here in downtown Indy. I don't think the CEO of Eli Lilly, which is somewhat of an important job, you're responsible for a pretty big company. A lot of people's lives depend on your performance. He'll make $22 million a year. But Malcolm freaking Brogdon, the NBA is a mess. And I I, I got such a kick. You won't read this anywhere. Why? Because everybody's left-leaning just like Adam Silver. 
You may read an article. Well, the state of the league with Adam Silver. Adam Silver is a joke. He's a woke joke. Players, you don't have to do anything. Guess what? They won't do anything. It's no different than your own kid. Hell, it's no different than me. You tell me I don't have to do anything and get paid, I ain't doing nothing. It ain't that hard to figure. Players, you don't have to play. A couple years ago, LeBron James went load management 11 games into the season. 11. You know that's less than an Indiana high school basketball season, which is 20 games? 11. I'm tired, man. Load management, man. Finally, at least, James's people, you know, I'm sure it wasn't basketball people. I'm sure it was advertising people said, hey, LeBron, uh, this is starting to look bad. This is all going to flip, this load management. So guess what? Uh, You probably need to change that if you want to sell more shoes, if you want to sell more Sprite. (laughs) I've told you for years, if any of you listen to my show, you know what I've told you about Adam Silver. Kindness equals weakness with your children and with your players. I know, I know, I know. That's not the way it really, oh my God, I can hear mommies right now. No, I want to be kind to my kids. Good. Be kind to your kids. But when they get out of line, don't be kind to your kids. Adam Silver. This story's weird. All right. Now this story, Deshaun Watson. So a judge has said, now remember, Desha- <laughs> Deshaun Watson, two different grand juries are not going to uh, prosecute Deshaun Watson, apparently. However, now listen to this. I had to read this three or four times. A judge has said that Deshaun Watson has to disclose his, whether or not he had sex with the, I want to get this right, with the 18 therapists that supported him. Now, remember, this is 18 therapists that said, nah, nothing happened. You know, he was all, he was a great guy. And then there's 22 over here that have a civil case. And oh, by the way, in this umbrella, where's any women's groups in Cleveland? I go back to Billy Bush. Billy Bush was interviewing Donald Trump He didn't act right according, I don't even know what the hell the interview was about, but he laughed when Trump said something offensive, and he's, boom, gone from the world. We got 22 civil cases, and now you got to answer for 18 more, not civil cases, not criminal cases, you just got to answer for your conduct, and not one woman's group in Cleveland has said a word. The only person that said a word is Jim Tomey's wife. But this is so odd, right? This this is so odd. Hey, Deshaun, you got 30 days to take us through whether or not you had sex with these 18 women that supported you. What? Yep, 30 days. Come back in 30 days. I want to know, on top of this, I want to know your sexual history. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I want to know your massage history history. So you, <laughs> you got to go in front of a judge and talk about 18 women that said, you're a good guy. 
Judges, judge went to the beard. Remember, we go to the beard when we're doing some thinking. Hey, 18 women supported you. Did they support you because you had sex with them is basically what the judge is saying. How weird is this? How incredibly weird is this? I mean, do they not have a women's group in Cleveland that's standing up here? Do they not have a Me Too group? Do they not have anything? Do they not have a masseuse union? Do they not have something? We all know why, but that's all right. Not nobody? I mean, hell, I didn't go swimming in a pool with a woman that wasn't my wife. And I caught all kind of hell. I was called rapey. Because I'm like, nah, I ain't going swimming. I thought no meant I'm not. But anyway, this dude here, he got 22. 18 more he's got to answer for. Not a woman hurt anywhere. Huh. I've done more complaining. I've done more exposing. I've done more trying to defend women than any women in Cleveland. Where are you? Stand up. You may have a predator. I don't know that you do, but you may have a predator coming to your city. 18, hey, look, you get crazy one night, you do something stupid, you got to answer for it. But 18 on top of 22? (laughs) I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. But it seems to me that, number one, this dude's got some interesting things going on, number one. Number two... I don't know that he's going to play for the Cleveland Browns. Now, I'm not saying he isn't, and I'm not saying he is, and there's a lot of in-between, and apparently that's the only concern of anyone in Cleveland. Wow. Uh, Phil Mickelson was actually invited to the Masters, and he didn't show. And again, I've talked about this, and Ryan Bird talked about it, reason I bring this up is there was a lot of discussion about whether or not Phil Mickelson was suspended. And most people, it's hard to, it's hard to figure out the different groups. You got the PGA tour, then you've got Augusta national, not really a part of that. And then you've got PGA of America that runs the PGA championship. So there's three different sections here. Probably, well, there's actually a fourth, uh, the RNN Royal and something in, in England, which does the open championship. So you've got all these groups. So Phil Mickelson wasn't suspended from the Masters. You know, it wasn't like they said, no, uh, you know what, the commissioner said you can't come. He was invited as a multiple uh, winner. He's invited every year for perpetuity. So he's the one that decided, no, he's the one that said, nah, I'm not coming. And I think that's a mistake. Look, let me back up a second. It's a mistake if what he is truly dealing with is just the stuff that we know of where he tried a coup on the PGA Tour. If that's what he's dealing with, and that only is what he's dealing with, then you got to get your backside back out here and you got to get playing. Now, however, nobody knows really, and I say this all the time, once the front door closes to your house, your neighbor's house, anybody's house, none of us, and I mean none of us, have any idea what's going on in that house. None of us do. I mean, let's just be honest. We think we do. Oh, he's a really good guy. Well, he's got 15 dead bodies in his house. No, he's a really good guy. I mean, no, 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 no. The truth of the matter is, 
once that front door closes. So what my point is, I don't know what Phil Mickelson is dealing with. I, you know, but if it is just the whole Saudi thing, then get your backside up. What do they say? Dust yourself off and let's go. Who cares? Hey, Phil, did you try to overthrow the PGA Tour? Yeah, it's going to make a lot of money. Don't you have enough money? You never have enough money. Hey, Phil, do you regret it? Sure. Hey, Phil, if, uh, if all this hadn't gone down, would you be a member of the Saudi Tour? Yeah. Hey, Phil, can you give us any names of any of the other players that were coming? No. Hey, Phil, do you regret it? Yeah. Hey, Phil, tell us about how this whole thing went down. No, none ya. None your business. And then you go hit balls. and you go out to the range. And at Augusta, they're not going to boo you. At Augusta, they're not going to be cranky to you. It, it is the most decent of all of the major sporting events. They're not going to throw stuff. They're not going to lose their mind. You just go out there, you hit some balls, you hang out with Freddie. Now, maybe some players don't want to talk to you. Maybe you backstab some of them. Who cares? Apologize to them and move on. That's it. Maybe you feel like some of them backstabbed you because, according to my friend Ryan Burr, there were like 20 people, 20 players that you know that were going to come to the tour. All right. At least you know who your friends are. But you probably knew those guys were weasels anyway, so who cares? Hey, Phil, how's it feel back? To, how's it feel to be back on the tour? Great. When somebody asks you a question in a press conference, it's not like you got to answer the question. I mean, just because some pizza-stained coffee dripped all over himself, slap, says, hey, oh, let me put down my sandwich, Phil. Uh, hey, Phil, you said the Saudis were bad mofos. Do you regret that? No. Well, then why would you get in bed with the money? Let me tell you something, fellas. I was going to make about $100 million. What do you say to that? There's nothing you say to that. So you just kind of you just kind of move along, man. You do. You know, something happened yesterday. And I, I got about three minutes here. And I, I just, we don't really have a graphic for this. But something happened yesterday that was so astounding. And again, this is just me. But it is so astounding. Do you know how in the NFL that quarterback is the thing, right? Well, in the NFL, quarterback is the thing. Quarterback is like the whole thing. You know, in Indy, we say, Chris Ballard says, well, it's not about one guy. Well, of course it's about one guy. Hell, in Indy, we're still complaining that Andrew Luck, quote, quit on us. All right? But, so, Indianapolis, the Colts, end up getting Matt Ryan. And in getting Matt Ryan, apparently, I'm trying to find it here so I have the exact quote, they got bailed out. All right? They got bailed out. Now, I want to ask you all that are watching this outside the Indiana market, do any of you allow your NFL team to have a 10-year plan? So the general manager of the Colts is a friend of mine, good guy, Chris Ballard. 
He's considered the best in the NFL despite having a 42-42 and record and every year having the greatest roster in the NFL, according to the little local yokels. So they get Matt Ryan, and this is what he said, to sit here and – to sit here and say we just had a flat-out plan that the quarterback position was going to work out, we didn't. Now, I got to tell you, Colts don't have a wide receivers. Colts don't have corner backs. Colts don't have a left tackle. So if you don't have a plan for corner back, how do you have a plan for any of these others? And this is the guy that is considered, quote, the best in the NFL. Didn't have a plan for quarterback. Just knew they had to get rid of Carson Wentz. That is incredible to me. Like, people are going to say, well, at least he was transparent. Good. You don't have a plan at quarterback. And you wonder. Well, I don't wonder. Colts fans wonder. Why you're 42 and 42 and haven't been had a home playoff game, haven't won the worst division, second worst if you want to go NFC East, why you haven't won the worst division in football. I, I the world that I know it is insane. How bad, how bad are these other general managers? If the best general manager in the NFL doesn't have a plan for quarterback. Is your NFL team on a 10-year plan? Mine is. 10 years. And the fans love it. The fans are like, oh, we got the greatest, we got cap space. I don't think, I don't, I honestly don't think there are very many fan bases that allow for a 10-year plan with a coach and general manager. We're in year six here. Spent, I think it's number six quarterback. And we supposedly in Indy have a quarterback whisper. That's right. Frank Reich's a quarterback whisper. I don't know what the hell he's whispering, but it ain't get better at quarterback. I don't know. I saw that and I thought to myself, I wonder how many fans out there, I wonder how many fan bases. Hit me up. Hit me up on a YouTube chat. Go to dan at 1070thefan.com is the email. Dan at 1070thefan.com. Do you have a 10-year plan for your NFL team? Your NFL team? We do. But we got cap space. Ha-ha. All right, we come back. I got to ask Chad that. Baseball starting today. The Masters is starting today. I got to find out stuff. I can't wait for the rest of this show. And oh, by the way. Vegas, baby. Double D is leaving for Vegas today. That's right. I'll be in bed by 10. All right, we'll be right back. Stay with us. Chad Withrow, I'll kick 360. I got a lot of questions for Chad that I got to have answered. We'll be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Hey, welcome back. We got a monster today. Chad Withrow joins us. Um, a couple of things. Chad, Major League Baseball starts today. Now, we in Indianapolis, obviously we don't have a team, but we're close enough to Cincinnati in southern Indiana, close enough to Chicago in northern Indiana that we consider the Chicago teams and the Cincinnati teams. So there is excitement. In Tennessee, 
Do, do Nashville folks give a rat's about the start of Major League Baseball? Uh, collectively, no. Uh, individually, yes. It's it's one of those odd things, Dan. I'm sure you see this in, in Indy with a lot of sports that you don't own in the city of Indianapolis. It, it's very divergent in terms of baseball interest and rooting interest. It's a Braves-dominated city in Nashville, but you got a lot of Reds fans. You got a lot of Cardinals fans also. It's about equidistant to all those cities. Uh, for major league cities. Um, but if you're not into one of those teams, typically you don't care at all. So it's difficult to get everyone behind opening day, like say you would the opening weekend of college football in Nashville, uh, which is a, a city holiday. Uh, it's not that way for, uh, for baseball. It's really <laughs> just, if you're a fan of one of those three teams, that's the majority of the city, then you're all into it. And if not, as you put it, Dan, no one gives a rat's ass at that point. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, but here, like, where, where I grew up, which was basically 30 minutes from Comiskey Park, our, because it's about 30 minutes from White Sox to the Cubs, our from Wrigley, like, this was the second best day of the year. The best day was October 15th, because that's when high school basketball's practice started in Indiana. But the second best for us <clears throat> was opening day at Wrigley. Yeah. You know what I mean? And... In in Indy, yeah, it's it's okay, but it's you know two and a half here, two hours there. It's it's just a little different. I I guess I've always been. I love where I live. I love where I'm from, but I've always been just a little bit jealous of people who grew up or live in those big baseball cities, especially the northern baseball cities: Chicago, Boston, New York, where opening day of Major League Baseball is a holiday for so many of these places. Uh, I've always been envious of those cities and those markets where it's a huge deal. I'm a big baseball fan. I mean, it's down the list past football and basketball for me, but I'm still a big baseball fan and I'm a big Braves fan uh, growing up in Nashville, but I look around and, you know, it's not, I'm a Braves fan, but it's not some national holiday in Atlanta on opening day. It's not like it is at Wrigley. It's not like it is at Fenway. It's not like it is at Yankee stadium. I've always been a bit jealous of those cities and those fan bases where it is an enormous deal every year. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, it's just, you know. All right, Tiger Woods, he got a shot? I mean, I, I don't think so. Um, look, I, I think when, you know, he's asked the question, do you think you can win this tournament? And his response was, I do. <clears throat> I, I believe that he believes that. Because I believe Tiger Woods is not entering into competition unless he believes he can win that competition. So he thinks that. But it's just, to me, unrealistic to think that he's going to be in contention on Sunday. And I know people have made the mistake of doubting Tiger Woods before. Look, I'm rooting for it. I absolutely hope that it happens. I hope that we're talking about, you know, on Monday on our shows about this amazing performance from Tiger Woods where he was right there, uh, you know, close to the last group on Sunday. But, Dan, I really think that victory for Tiger in this thing is playing all four rounds. If he can get through all four rounds, if he can make the cut and get to the weekend and finish all four rounds of the Masters, I think it's a great sign for him moving forward and what he's going to be able to do. Um, I, I really think that's the victory in this weekend. The guy's 14 months removed from almost having his leg amputated. I mean, and the fact that he's out there, and, and he says the golf stuff is no problem. Any golf movement I can do, I can swing. I can complete the golf part of it. It's the walking that's going to be a problem. 
that's what gives me cause for concern. Uh, I don't think it's realistic to think he's going to be in contention, but I, I would be very happy. We're all going to be happy to watch him play, you know, starting today, but I'd be very happy with his performance and count it as a win if he gets through the cut and he's there on Sunday just playing, even if he's completely out of contention. All right, here's what I did. Uh, and we actually did it I did it on our show, and my, my producer made fun of me. So early in the week, I went, man, I hope he plays. And then, you know, as he's going along and Freddie Couples is talking, it's like, oh, man, looks like he's going to play. Hey, wonder if he can win. You know what I mean? Like, it went from, I hope he can play to, I think he can win. I think he'll make the cut. And I think he'll, you know what I mean? It, it's like that's just because of his greatness that all of a sudden you go from, man, I hope he plays to, well, will he win? I mean, well, he's, it's just, he's Tiger Woods, <laughs> right? I mean, I, I, I fall in the I same know, right? trap. I mean, why not? I was there. I was at the, uh, the Masters in Augusta in 2019 for the Saturday and Sunday round, walking around following Tiger and watching history where no one at that point, that's where everyone had, had written him off for dead. He wasn't going to win a major. He was never going to be good again. And then he wins that tournament in 2019. And then suddenly it's okay. Well, maybe, maybe he can make a run at, at Jack's record. Maybe he can win a couple more at that point. Then the accident happens. Then he's got a press conference saying, guys, I, I had to fight for my life. You know, forget about golf. I'm having to not think about competitive golf right now. I have to be able to walk uh, normally. Um, and then you think, okay, well, now he's done. And now the rumors start, you know, about a week ago that, hey, maybe he's going to play. He's been playing at his home course medalist. He looks okay. And then suddenly it's announced that he's playing. And, I, look, I fall into the same trap. I think, hey, let's just finish the tournament. But then – I'd be lying if I said I didn't place a bet on FanDuel on Tiger Woods at plus 4,400 to win the whole thing because he's Tiger Woods <laughs> and he's the greatest out there right now. So who knows what will happen, but I, I'm just telling you my expectation is just get through Sunday, play all four rounds, make it out of this thing somewhat healthy. I think that's the win for Tiger Woods. I agree. All right, I got to switch gears on you because here in Indianapolis, uh, we signed Matt Ryan, which means Julio Jones discussion. Does Julio Jones have anything left? I don't think so. Uh, he's 33. He played, he played in 10 games for the Titans, had a little bit over 400 yards, only one touchdown. This was statistically his worst year by far. Now, you can say new offense. You know, the, the Ryan Tannehill is not Matt Ryan, who he had a good rapport with. But things were deteriorating a bit in the end in Atlanta also. We heard from all these Atlanta people when the Titans traded for Julio Jones. Uh, get used to him not being there and playing. Get used to him not wanting to practice also. That, that's going to be the issue with Julio Jones. We thought, well, maybe, but that was just Atlanta, right? That, that was just the problem in Atlanta. He's going to be in Nashville now. He's going to be in this organization, and it's going to be a lot better for Julio Jones. But – the Atlanta Riders turned out to be right. It's, a, it's an availability issue. It's the injury concerns uh, with Julio Jones that really spelled his doom in, in Nashville with the Titans. It's the fact that even when he was playing, he, he wasn't overly productive. Uh, he's lost a, a, a step. He still, he still could be a productive guy. He's not going to be a game-breaking guy. So, you know, the rumors now, Dan, are Tampa Bay. You know, I was reading something about, well, go play with Tom Brady in Tampa. I mean, that might work. You know, you piece all these veteran guys that go play with Tom Brady, and that could work for a season. That could work for a half a season. 
Um, but is Julio Jones Julio Jones? No. I think Julio Jones is just another in a line of solid veteran receiver options that you pick up late in free agency. What, what's going on in, in, uh, in Nashville with A.J. Brown? That is so strange. So, <clears throat> A.J. Brown, you know, you got the Titans, John Robinson, and everyone saying, look, we want, we want A.J. Brown. We want to sign him long-term. That's more information than John Robinson normally gives to the media, where he's calling out a guy and saying, we, we're wanting to sign this guy. We, we want to have him around. He normally doesn't say it that flat out about a player. You know, he kind of talks in semantics and talks around the issue. Uh, with a guy that's, you know, entering his final year of a contract. But they want to lock up A.J. Brown long-term. So you have all these reports about the Jets with D.K. Metcalf, with A.J. Brown, trying to trade for one of these guys on an expiring rookie contract and locking them up. So I would say that's absolutely nothing if A.J. Brown wouldn't stop tweeting about it and posting on Instagram. That, that's the weird thing about all this. A.J. Brown is known to kind of tweet through his feelings. He's gone after Paul Koharski on our show uh, with an F-bomb-laden tweet about Paul and, and something he said. Uh, he's gone after a former Titan receiver, Derek Mason, who hosts a radio show in Nashville recently about something he said uh, because A.J. Brown tweeted, Marcus Mariota is the best leader I've ever been around. So everyone obviously made the conclusion and said, well, it's not Ryan Tannehill. That's on that list. That, that's, that's interesting. So he deleted the tweet and started going after media members that took, had a problem with it. And so AJ Brown, when he starts tweeting, you know, guys, I, I wish this would hurry up and end, you know, I'm out here in the dark, just like the rest of you, all of this, all of these things that he's inferring on Twitter, it makes it, it makes something that should not be a discussion point, a discussion point to me. And it's part of the story that no one's talking about is AJ Brown is acting like a fan on Twitter, like he's sitting back and watching all this jet stuff happen, and he's not sure if it's real or not. That gives me pause to say that maybe there's a little something there. I mean, I think John Robinson's always going to listen to offers. So if it's something that just blows him away, maybe. But I also am going by what John Robinson said. That's that they want A.J. Brown long term. And they want to lock him up past his rookie contract. So that's what I believe is going on right now. I think A.J. Brown not being silent and tweeting through all of this adds a different layer to it. If A.J. Brown was just silent, I, I would be much more confident telling you there's nothing to it. But every time he tweets, it leads me to think, well, maybe there's a little something to it. Has it always been a good relationship, at least in your mind, between A.J. Brown, Robinson, the coaching staff, and the city? Yeah, I think A.J. Brown's relationship with John Robinson, with Mike Vrabel, with his teammates is outstanding. There are no issues there. I mean, he is he is an alpha dog in that locker room, and, and he's respected as such. I think A.J. Brown is dumb on social media. That, that's that, To me, that's his biggest problem, and that's no issue for fans who are going to back him and defend him no matter what. I just think that if you're big time, this is Dan, this is like when you stop responding to people, right? You know, right now you're not, you're not responding to people on Twitter because you're big time and you don't have to respond to everyone on Twitter. I, I just prefer my star athletes in a city to not engage with local media members on social media, to not engage with a bunch of fans on social media. Now, AJ Brown is raised in a different generation where you live your life through social media. But 
I don't understand why he has to go off on local reporters in that way. Just rise above it. You know, you're A.J. Brown. You're the star receiver of the city. You don't have to engage in every little thing. That's really the only minor downfall or pitfall, I should say, for A.J. Brown in Nashville. It has nothing to do with his play. It has nothing to do with the Titans organization. They love him, and he loves his teammates, and they love him. To me, it's just he's he's not very good on social media and dumb, doesn't come across as overly smart on social media at times. Other than that, he's beloved in Nashville. Um, I want to stick with something here. I want to stick with Mariota. He was obviously there, and he went to Oakland. Now he's getting his chance. What What is the sentiment about Marcus Mariota? That he's a super nice guy. That's that's the <laughs> – you know, that's what Nashville remembers about Marcus Mariota. Super nice guy, never going to embarrass you. From that standpoint, maybe he is the best leader that A.J. Brown has ever been around, right? I mean, you, you never had to worry about Mariota being entangled in something that was going to get give the Titans a black eye. And he had his moments. I mean, he had stretches. He had an entire season where he was great uh, for the Titans. It was just the realization that he was never going to be the guy with the Titans that that's what led to them making the move the offense was abysmal in a game in Denver they go to Tannehill Tannehill plays great the rest is history with Mariota look I think that he is a good stopper option right he is a good option in in Atlanta uh any team it it didn't just have to be Atlanta but wherever Mariota was going to go he is a good plug guy right you got a year or two to find your quarterback in the draft or via trade you need a starter, you go to Marcus Mariota, he can be that guy for you. He can win some games in the league, um, but he's never going to be the guy for a franchise. You know, I think I'm like Matt Hasselbeck when he was with the Titans for a short stint. Hasselbeck was that guy. Great plug guy, can give you a two-year bridge, one or two-year bridge to get to the quarterback that you need in your franchise. I I think that's what Mariota is at this point. All right. Now, a big debate among a lot of folks, and I think I'm on the wrong side of it, but I think the NBA playoffs are worse without LeBron James. What do you say? I, I think that anyone that thinks you're on the wrong side of it is dumb. I mean, what na- name name <laughs> any sport where I don't care what you think about any person. Name in, any sport where the most recognizable, famous, biggest name, best player in that sport not participating in its marquee event is a good thing for that sport. I mean, I think, I think you're absolutely right. I'm not a LeBron James guy. I'm I'm not a LeBron James fan at all, but you are absolutely correct that the NBA playoffs are better. If LeBron James is a part of it, whether you love him or hate him, he's a divisive guy and that draws ratings that draws eyeballs that draws attention so I think the, the NBA playoffs without LeBron James is a worse product. Uh, there's To me, there's no debate about it. And I, I, could, I could play this game. I mean, this is like asking, you know, are the Masters better or worse with Tiger Woods? You know, is it better without Tiger Woods? I don't care if you're the biggest Tiger hater on the planet. You acknowledge that the Masters are more interesting if Tiger Woods is in Augusta. I, I would say the same about LeBron James. I mean, if, we, if we're actually – if the big debate in sports talk radio is between LeBron James and Michael Jordan for all time, if I'm putting anyone next to Michael Jordan in any debate, 
the playoffs would be better with that guy. And that's what, if you hate LeBron or not. So I, I am 100% in agreement with you, Dan. And I would even go stronger uh, against the people who don't agree with you on this point, because you are in the right on this one. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I look at it, Chad, and I go, wait, wait a second here. I'll tell you who's happy LeBron James isn't in the playoffs. And I don't give a damn how their seasons have gone, but other teams in the West, because let's be honest, it's one thing to beat LeBron James in the middle of January, but it's another thing to beat the guy four times in two weeks. You know what I'm saying? I mean, hey, if I'm the Suns, I'm like, oh, man, we don't have to mess with him. You know, you know, I, 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 I didn't know when I said it yesterday that that was going to be a thing, but I got a lot of pushback. Oh, no, I hate LeBron James. I'm so glad now I'll watch the playoffs. I think a couple guys have written articles on it's better without, and I'm thinking to myself, Chad, am I just insane? There's no, I, I, no, I want to watch LeBron at full strength with Anthony Davis try to beat the Suns. That's better for me than watching, I don't know, Memphis. I don't know. Well, I think the basketball portion of it is better, and I, I'm with you on that too, by the way. The basketball part of it's better, but also – even if you're one of those people that wrote an article or sent you a tweet about, well, now I'll watch the NBA playoffs because there's no LeBron James. No, they're not. If you're not watching the NBA playoffs with LeBron James, you're not going to tune in and watch the NBA playoffs without LeBron James. You don't like the NBA and that's fine. There are times where I don't like the NBA and, and won't watch it, but don't pretend that because LeBron James isn't there, the greatest player of this generation in the sport, not being there is going to suddenly lure you in to spending your Tuesday night on TNT watching the, the Bucks <laughs> and the Nets. I mean, you're, you're not going to watch. So I, I don't buy when people make that argument of, oh, now I'm going to watch. Now I'm going to tune in. And even if you are the staunchest anti-LeBron James guy, and I know a lot of them, you have to admit it's still more interesting if he's playing, even if you're tuning into that late-night Lakers game to root against him and root for whoever the Lakers are playing, it makes it infinitely more watchable. I, I find that hate can be a bigger driver of ratings and interest yes. than love, right? Like if you hate something and you really want them to lose, you, you tune in. We get into this with Vanderbilt fans in Nashville a, a lot. They hate the Vols in Tennessee so much they will drive up ratings and watch anything Tennessee's involved in because they love it when Tennessee loses and they will watch and that will drive them more than their own team's success at sometimes. I, I somewhat understand that psychology, but don't completely get it when you're, you know, so lopsided that you're paying attention more to the thing that you hate than the thing that you love, that that's what you want to watch and you get more joy out of failure than your team doing something great. But part of me also somewhat understands it. I think the same logic applies with LeBron James. Yeah, as long as you care. I mean, you know, what do they say? Uh, hate isn't the opposite of love. Empathy yeah. is, I guess. Uh, but to your point, you know, I, I've always said this. In baseball, Mike Trout is universally known or I guess considered the best player in baseball. And But to me, anyway, and, and this is where maybe baseball is different, or maybe it's the same, Mike Trout needs a playoff moment. And Mike Trout, for normal baseball fans, yeah, Mike Trout's the best player in baseball, but most haven't even seen him. They're just regurgitating what they've heard. Mike Trout needs some playoff moments. 
I think to solidify himself in the, I guess, in the lore of baseball. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And I'll say this too about his teammate, uh, Shohei Otani. The worst thing that happened Ooh. for baseball was Shohei Otani going to the LA Angels because he plays late at yes. night. No one cares about the Angels. It's not an organization that's ever going to win anything. If Otani was on the Yankees or the Red Sox, I, I, I argue there would be a lot more interest in Major League Baseball because they would be on the national game all the time. They would be doing hits when he comes up to bat. I mean, the, the fact that this guy is not a bigger story to me is a huge story. I mean, we don't see this. I mean, we're talking a modern-day Babe Ruth who is a great pitcher and one of the best sluggers in the game. And we don't care because he's with the Angels. He's not even the Dodgers. You know, it's a time zone thing, but it's an organizational thing also. If he were with the Red Sox, if he were with the Cubs in the central time, if he were with the Yankees, that would be one of the best things for Major League Baseball. I don't agree with collusion, but if I were baseball owners and the <laughs> league and Rob Manfred, I would collude to give the Angels some sort of compensation to take that guy and Mike Trout and disperse them <laughs> to the Eastern time zone or the Central time zone to banner you know, teams, Cardinals, Cubs, Yankees, Red Sox, go to one of these clubs and let's really sell our sport and let's rise that tide so that everybody starts making more money and the sport is more healthy and, and more popular because America pays attention to these guys. 100 years ago, to your point, not 100, but a long time ago, Bowie Kuhn was a commissioner of Major League Baseball, and Charlie Finley made a trade on the A's that was so lopsided because he was just trying to get rid of Joe Rudy and Vita Blue and all these salaries that Bowie Kuhn said, no, for the good of the game, we can't make that trade. I want an Otani Trout trade to the Eastern time zone for the Bowie Kuhn for the good of the game clause. You know what I mean? You know Dan, what I mean? This, for the good of the game, get him over here. I, I'm firmly behind this idea. We'll, we'll, we'll credit your show here for, for starting this movement. I am completely out on Rob Manfred. This would get me all the way back in on Rob Manfred if he had some sort of commissioner statement that says, for the good of the league, we are going to get Mike Trout. We are going to extricate Trout and Otani from the Los Angeles Angels so the rest of America can enjoy these guys and they're not on a bad team. I look at their record last year, and these are two of the guys that everyone at least knows who they are. And I see them, you know, middling below 500. I'm thinking, what, what is going on? Why are these guys not on better teams? Probably says something too, you know, why are they not elevating them to something a little bit better than that? But I, I'm totally with you. For the health and well-being of baseball, Let's get those guys to middle America, to the Eastern time zone. Let's get them to a franchise that people actually pay attention to, and let's watch them there. I'll throw the Braves in there also. The Braves are very much a regional team. All the Southeast pays attention to the Braves. It's an Eastern time zone team. I'd love to see Trout or Otani play for the Braves. Just get them out of L.A., get them away from the Angels, and everybody wins. At the very least, to your point, at the very least, and this doesn't change time zones, but just get them across town. Get them, right. get them, get them in the Dodgers. I mean, 
trade whoever you got to trade, but at least put them where something's interesting because there is literally nothing interesting uh, about, as you said, the Los Angeles Angels. Hell, even their name isn't right. It's just not right. The whole thing. All right. Well, I was going to get into more, but my time is up, man. What do you got on the show today? Uh, we got Armando Salguero from OutKick joining us to, to talk some NFL today. A lot of Masters talk. You know, it's going to be hot and heavy during our show. I think the live coverage of it on television starts right about the time we go on air at 2 p.m. Central. So we'll do a lot of Masters update, you know, uh, discuss what's happening on the course over the course of our show. And always, Dan, every day we're talking football. Uh, so Armando Salguero will hit the latest NFL headlines. Looking forward to a good show today. Thanks, Chad. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dan. You, Always fun, buddy. He's the best. That show is awesome. It is Outkick 360, and it's right here on the Outkick Networks, man. You kidding me? It's what you got to go to, and every day they deliver, and every day I listen. I do. Uh, I got to go get my dog. Right now my dog is running around outside. So we're going to take a minute or two break. Gary Sheffield Jr., you do not want to miss Gary Sheffield Jr. from OutKick when we come back. I got to get my dog. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the OutKick network. Hey, look, it's opening day. And in my world, growing up just on the south side of Chicago, just outside the south side of Chicago, there is no better day. There's actually one better day. And that day, ladies and gentlemen, uh, was October 15th when, frankly, basketball practice started for high school basketball in Indiana. And it was the greatest day ever. But the second greatest day was Wrigley Field opening day. Nobody better to talk to. And he's a great follow on Twitter. Gary Sheffield Jr. All right, you're a you're a uh, excuse me, you're a Yankees fan, right? Die hard. You're not happy with the Yankees. Are you happy with the Yankees right now? No, everybody wants me to be. Um, obviously, Yes Network, who covers the Yankees, they want me to be happy. Um, but ultimately, we found a way to spend like forty-five million dollars. Our payroll's like two hundred and sixty million. And honestly, like nobody's afraid of the Yankees. We're really not that good of a roster. Um, I would just qualify this team as good. And it's like when the Yankees are coming into a season saying that we were like kind of good last year and we got a little bit better marginally, perhaps it's to me, I'm disappointed. I wanted to see something that was exciting, something that we can all line up for a reason to actually go to New York and see a game. But based on what I saw this off season, I'm, I'm not very happy. Do you subscribe to mine and Chad Withrow's new theory that baseball should step in, move Otani, and move Trout to the eastern time zone or at least the central time zone to get some interest going? Are you good? Are you good with our new our new uh, movement? I guess. Of course. I mean, we would love them to be East Coast guys. Um, Otani said he wasn't interested in playing in New York. He wanted to be on the West Coast. I guess it it works for um, a lot of the media in Japan. Um, it's more conducive to him. But, no, I wish, honestly, um, because the Angels are playing at, like, Eastern time. It, it's, like, 11, 12 o'clock at night. And, frankly, like, no matter how exciting a baseball player is, I don't know many people who are going to stay up and watch a baseball game till like, 1 in the morning, especially when the Angels are, like, under 500. So, um, no, I would be all for it. If they want to send them to the Yankees, um, I'll, I'll start a GoFundMe. <laughs> doesn't Mike Trout have to have and, and you know you grew up with this 
So you have a great perspective on this. Doesn't, doesn't Mike Trout, I know everybody says he's the best player in the game. Okay, I get all that. I do. And he, I'm sure he is. But don't you need in baseball an iconic playoff moment to be forever in baseball? You know what I mean? No, I understand it. And, and, and the thing is, it's like some of these guys like Trout, and you can't necessarily have your playoff moment when you're playing for an organization that doesn't make the playoffs. And baseball has shown you that there's so many guys who contribute to making the postseason. This guy is just like the last memory I have of him is just like showing up for like six at bats. And someone said, well, Trout doesn't hit well in the postseason. He has like six ABs. So we don't even know. Like he's honestly just like this regular season anomaly. And we know he's the best player in the game. Even people who are on the East Coast and don't get to watch him play a lot. If you watch the highlights, the dude just jumps off the screen. And it's kind of sad that he's been stuck with this organization that just hasn't acquired um, pitching. Um, I do like what they did this offseason. They did acquire some arms, but I, I just don't know if it's enough. All right, let me go this route with you. Let's go AL yeah. East. Uh, we've talked about we've talked about your Yankees. Who do you like? I like well, Tampa just finds a way to do more with less. That's just what they do. They're the smartest guys in the room. But Toronto rakes. That offense is gonna hit. And when you go get a guy like Matt Chapman who's help who's going to help them defensively, he's arguably the best defensive third baseman in the sport. So and I honestly say it's not even debatable. So when you can bring a guy like that. Uh, and they got him off of a down year. So I expect him to rebound, and the Toronto should be good. They really should be, and their expectations aren't what the Yankees are. Um, yeah, some people have them coming out the AL, but when you don't have the expectations New York has, they're going to play more free, and they're finally playing in Toronto. Plus, you have the whole mandate thing. So if the New York comes to Toronto, as of now, guys like guys that are unvaccinated are not playing in Toronto. So that's major advantage for, for the Blue Jays, and I expect them to capitalize. How good are, how good are the Red Sox? They're, they're about as mediocre as the Yankees. I would say that they're not as good of a team as New York. Um, they didn't fix their holes, and their holes, a lot of it's on the mound. They're not good out the bullpen. They're not good in, start, in terms of starting pitching. Chris Sale just went down with like uh, a fractured rib, so he's going to be out a couple months. Um, but – the Red Sox really couldn't afford any injuries, especially with a guy as, as skinny and frail as Chris Sale. So um, it's it's kind of sad. We never want to see anyone get hurt. But in terms of their roster, they can hit, but it takes more than hitting, as the Angels have shown us. When I, before the season, the only bet, and this isn't for any other reason other than Jason Benetti, the announcer, is a friend, and he thinks they're going to be really good. But in the AL Central, the only bet that I made on a futures, meaning over a certain amount of wins, and it was 91 and a half, which was the yeah. White Sox, because Benetti and the rest think the White Sox are really, really good. What say you about the Central and in particular on the Sox? I have the White Sox. I actually have the White Sox. Um, I have them making the World Series. And the Lance, yeah. And really? the Lance Lynn injury news is not good. It's just not because that's supposed to be their workhorse. And a lot of people talk about the bullpen and, and what they've got going on back there. And Garrett Crochet is another guy who's gone down. Um, a power left-handed arm that you're going to need in a postseason run doesn't look good again. 
Um, of course, I made this prediction before all those injuries went down, but it doesn't help. Um, but yeah, when your major workhorse, who essentially is a band-aid to the rest of the pitching staff, goes down, it, it's just not ideal. But they hit, they play old school baseball, the baseball that I grew up watching, which is put the ball in play. Um, yeah, we're not staring at our batting average, but it is important. It's more important than it is around the league. And ultimately, they're a tough postseason at bat. So um, I like the experience that they've that they've gathered over the last couple of years. And I think that they can actually get over the hump until they face the bad boy Dodgers in the in the World Series. All right, Correa goes to Minnesota. I mean, we've talked about a great player, yep. Trout, and Otani on the same team, not really elevating a team. Um, I contend, this is what I contend, Gary. I contend if you really want to play and you have your option of where to play, you don't go to Minnesota. You go to L.A., you go to Boston, you go to Chicago, maybe Atlanta, but you absolutely go to New York I don't know. Does Correa make the Twins how much better and how good are Correa, they? Correa, first off, makes the Twins way better. Um, this guy's a superstar. But the one thing people didn't understand about Correa is that he really signed a one-year deal. And he signed a deal with opt-outs after every season just in case he has a bad year this year. And he really – and so he really finessed. And this is a Scott Boris client now. And people didn't realize this when it was going down. I saw that Carlos Correa signed with Scott Boris. And I, and I looked up the fine print and it showed if he signed a 10-year deal, his past agent was going to get essentially all of those cuts from that contract. So I had a feeling that Correa was going to sign with some random team and he was going to give him a one-year deal and then enter free agency the next year. So I think Correa has his eyes set on the bigger targets like the Dodgers and Yankees, all the usual suspects. But I think he wants to reset that with Scott Boris. So um, so yeah, I was a bit disappointed to see Minnesota as the final landing spot, but I had a feeling it could be one of those teams that we're just like, not that excited about. So, yeah. So wait a second. So he signs a one-year deal. Now, correct me if I'm, if I'm saying this right, he signs a one-year deal to go to Minnesota to basically clear out a previous agent. Is that, that's is that exactly what, what I'm telling you. And, and that's the. That according to the fine print, that's wow. what happens is his his past agent is going to get the cuts from um, from this previous con this contract that he just signed, um, which is about like thirty five million dollars. It's a lot of money, um, but he Carlos Correa is going to opt out one hundred percent after the season, barring a catastrophic injury, and he's expected to re-enter free agency. If you see that the New York Yankees are in a position, they have eighty million dollars coming off the books. Scott Boris knows this um, after Aaron judge is extended and all that the Yankees could be players again into a seven or eight year contract. And that's what ultimately what Correa wants. And he wasn't getting that this off season. And yeah, they, they played a little bit of a finesse job. Was he not getting it because of the lockout? No, I wouldn't say it's a lockout. I, I honestly don't feel like the lockout had much to do with the contracts that you're seeing. It really just delayed it. It, that's that's really all I saw because it was business as usual. Teams were spending, um, hell, even teams that we weren't expecting to spend were spending. So no, I don't think it was a lockout. I just think that Scott Boris is really getting a, a stranglehold on this market. He's essentially getting everybody. And when you're the best guy in the business, you're going to have the top free agents signing one-year deals in your name, just so you can take a bigger cut so so that you can take them on as a client. It's a, It's a wild world. 
It is a wild world. It's that. Do I like that? Yeah. I don't feel like I like what, that. him being a, well, I mean, I'm always pro capitalist. So, I mean, if, if, a, if an agent's going to corner the market and, and do whatever he can to cash a check, I mean, I, I don't have a problem with it. And ultimately, I mean, we saw it with Trevor Bauer with the Dodgers. I mean, he has opt outs after a, a plenty of these seasons, which we know he's not going to opt out with a 42, $43 million contract, but um, anytime the players are, are taking more control, I mean, I like that. Not as much control as the NBA guys have, but um, baseball is, is, it's nice to see that they're finally winning the business side. I'm not saying that. I guess I'm saying the agent doing, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm good with the players. I, that's awesome. But yeah, no, the agents have, the agents uh, have too what, much power. Speaking, There's no question about that. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm, that's, I guess that's the best way to put it. What is going to happen? You mentioned Trevor Bauer. What is going to happen with Trevor Bauer? Well, eventually they're, I'm assuming that they're going to use their own investigation and determine how much damage control are we in? How bad does it look if Trevor Bauer just shows up to the field? Because you have to, you have to understand that half of major league baseball fans, they just don't like Trevor Bauer as a person and that there's no way that baseball can change that. So if baseball, if Rob Manfred, the commissioner of the league says, well, you're free to come back to the Dodgers and he's leading them to a pennant race. It almost seems like baseball forgot about this sexual predator that's uh, amongst their league, even though the, you're, we're not really having an issue in terms of his legal proceedings. I mean, he's a free man. There's no reason that this guy should be in trouble at all. So um, yeah, no, I would assume there's going to be some type of suspension, but you're not going to see me defend it. Yeah, I don't – I to me, it's there's some odd things in sports right now, whether it's – you know, I was, I was talking to a friend of mine with the Titans, and he's like, yeah, you know, Deshaun Watson's our best player. He's here every day, but he doesn't practice. He works out yeah. on his own. We're still – there's just some weird things right now in sports. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna jump here for a second. What – the only thing that I care about in baseball right now to start the season – Gary is my Cubs and I'll tell you why because my life is happier when the Cubs get off to a good start and they're at least around it as the summer goes on it brings me joy you understand what I'm saying and then my old fat ass when it gets to like September and if the Cubs are in the playoff chase then it becomes must-see TV and then if they are in the playoffs or they are going down the stretch, then I set my days around when my fat ass is going to get to watch the Cubs play baseball. You see what I'm saying? You're young. You got stuff to do. You're clubbing. You're out there with bottle service. You're out there with paparazzi. Me? Sedentary. I want appointment TV, Gary. Can my Cubs give me any type of appointment TV other than opening day? Well, shoot, I don't get paid enough for bottle service. But one thing, of course, they're doing the yard right as I'm coming <laughs> up on here. But, uh, but yeah, I, um, no, the, the Cubs, as you said, your fat ass is, is going to be able to go to Cubs games all you want because it's going to be $10 to get in. And, and that's just the reality. Oh! Um, and, and it's not – it's just they told us that they were in, in play for Correa and on some of these guys – and, and ultimately you need face of the franchise players to get fans to come to the games and the Cubs really, and Cubs fans are great. They want to root for the shield. It's not necessarily about faces in Chicago. They just need to see winning baseball. And I just don't know if that overseas signing with Suzuki in the outfield and then going to get um, 
and then going to get Marcus Stroman, who's already talking about the fans being racist in Chicago. I just don't know if, if they're doing enough for Chicago fans to feel like, okay, we've got a winner here. Because if the Cubs fans know, and baseball fans in general, they know we don't have a winner in our back pocket. Like, for what reason would I go spend $75 to go into Chicago to see that game? So, I mean, it's obviously a little disappointing for Cubs fans. But at the same time, if you like to eat, you can go sit in the bleachers for about 12 bucks, And, hell, I'll go. I'll see you there. <laughs> Gary, one of the things I've always said about Wrigley Field, and I've I grew up there, basically. You know, it's the place I went the most, let's put it that way, being from that area. Don't confuse the friendly confines with nice people when the Cubs lose. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, well, it's the friendly con. No, fans, brutal. Like any other big city when the Cubs lose, right? No, it's it's just like, and then people always bash on the Philadelphia Eagles and the New York Yankees fans, Jets fans, Giants fans. I'm like, guys, it's just the mentality. It's just the mentality of these big cities. If you're not putting up a winner, how can you expect us to be blue collar and then show up um, with busy days that we have to go see a day game, take a day off to go see a team that's not winning. The owner's not trying to win. He's not being aggressive with the free agent market, with the trade market. How can you ask us to do these things? And if it's going to be, if they're going to put up a product like that, you could see the Cubs again. If, if some of these young guys like Nick Magical, who I really like that they got from the uh, crosstown rival, uh, if some of these guys actually can pan out, then Cubs fans will start to show up. But um, they, Clint Frazier is another guy that they put in the outfield. They poached him from our Yankees. And if he can hit, if, if some of these pieces can actually fill in the way that they hope they can, then uh, the Cubs, they, they're not going to be good, but um, they, if they can just win some games, Cubs fans will show up. They're, they're good for that. Yeah. I'm telling you, the biggest difference, people think it was always that way. It wasn't. When I was in high school and college and just out of college, you go to Wrigley, you sit down the left field line for 10 bucks, and there's no one in right. your section. But now it's more of a party. You know, everybody wants to go. You know, so, yeah, they got that. But how good – let me ask you this. How, how good is Madrigal? How good is Frazier? How good is Suzuki? How good is Nico Horner? Well, Frazier, first off, I, I can vouch for him more than just about anybody on this list. And this guy has bat speed. I mean, they compared his bat speed to my dad's during his entire minor league ten, tenure. Really? Yeah, no, this guy can really swing the bat. It, you know, is he Gary Sheffield Sr.? I, I wouldn't say that, obviously. But when people are comparing your bat speed to a player like that, then obviously it means something. And this guy has the physical ability to be a star in the league. Um, he dealt with health injuries. I mean, he dealt with like health issues in New York. And, and that was the huge issue for him. But um, I really like what Chicago did. They took the correct risk, in my opinion, on him. And they, they brought in that guy, Suzuki. Um, Marcus Stroman is a solid arm. But Nick Magical, Nick Magical is a dude. He was the real deal coming out of Oregon State. This guy is like a Tony Gwynn type bat. He's not going to try to put the ball in the seats. He's just trying to move the line. Um, he's going to be the guy that you come to the yard and look at his batting average. And, and I know that's not sexy. It's, it's not sexy anymore. Everybody wants to talk about ops plus fit all these numbers that none of us can remember anymore. And this guy is an old school baseball player. If he's, if there's a shift, he's going to bunt. And that's just the way that Nick magical is. So he's a, he's a solid baseball player. And I said at the beginning of his career, Nick magical could potentially make the hall of fame. If he gets off to a healthy start, um, 
unfortunately we didn't see that start um, but um, I've got to give him credit and I fully believe that the Cubs fans are going to love that guy you know, just so people understand, uh, Gary's dad, Gary Sheffield Sr.'s bat speed was legendary. I mean, it's like everybody, if you get compared to Gary Sheffield Sr.'s bat speed, then you're at the top one, you know, 0.01% of Major League Baseball hitters. So at least that's got me excited. Um, the Mets, the Crosstown Mets, certainly they've spent a lot of money. Certainly they're in the news. Your thoughts on the Mets? DeGrom seems to be healthy. No Scherzer, not so much. Um, it, well, the thing is, is so DeGrom, DeGrom's having a, a bit of a shoulder issue, and Scherzer is a guy who's 37. And I'm not here to call 37-year-olds old because I know a lot of 37-year-olds are listening to me today. But I'm here to tell you right now, in baseball – 37 is not a spring chicken things start to and, and I watched and I watched my dad play baseball as a 37 year old that was around the time he was he was his bit really the back end of his Yankees tenure I know what a 37 year old baseball body looks like and how it recovers and when you're talking about your your really your horse and the guy going right behind him and your starting rotation are 37 and as DeGrom is injury prone at this point um, I don't feel like anybody can say anything other than what he is, which is injury injury prone. The Mets season can be derailed just like that in a snap of a finger. It, it's not out of the question that Scherzer can give you 20 starts and DeGrom can pitch 15. And, and that obviously that worries me, and I never want to wish for any injuries. And even though it's the Crosstown Rivals, it's the Mets, and I'm a Yankees guy, I want them to be healthy. I want to beat them fair and square. But if the Mets are healthy, I see them as being a dangerous team and Really, uh, for a gambling man, the Mets are a good pick because nobody's going to want to see that one-two in the postseason. You know, that's the thing that I did a few years ago with the uh, with the Nationals, and I did it on September 1st when they won it because, you know, they had Scherzer, and I can't remember who all they had. But I'm like, wait a second here. There are – I mean, you, you, you obviously agree. I, I'm not putting words in your mouth, but there is a difference between a regular season mm -hmm. team – and a postseason team, particularly with pitchers. But I also got to ask you, is baseball – I get a lot of fans say, you know what, I start paying attention around the uh, all-star break, the trade deadline, that type, because I don't know if my team's in it or out of it until I see what they do at the trade deadline. That is a thing. Is that good for baseball? No, and, and the more of that mentality that we adopt – the less people really love the sport and people did this in the NBA. That was the first move. Everybody started saying, well, if the players don't really care about the regular season, why should I? And when the players are showing, and I feel like the players aren't doing too much to show the fans that they don't care about the regular season. But if the fans start adopting this mentality that, well, I'll just wake me up when it's September. Well, it's, that's just not a mentality of a, of a fan that loves the game. And, and I know you're, you're a Cubs fan. You're going to be watching games well before the, well before the the trade deadline and i'm going to be watching plenty of games as well obviously i'm covering them on my own show but i can't imagine that people can show up in september and then we're going to expect them to drop 200 300 bucks to go see a game it's just that's not conducive i don't think to grow the sport and kids who have not watched the game if we're actually trying to grow this sport they're not just going to be able to look up in postseason time they're going to have to we're going to have to find a way to get them to enjoy the process because that's what we did as kids 
No, you're exactly right. And, and uh, you know, the idea of – see, one of the things that's different, the NBA, you can kind of tell when a guy's not going 1,000%. Right. Baseball, it's kind of it tough, right? I mean, because, you know, a ball may not get hit to me. Hey, what's, let's, walk, let's walk me through before I let you go here. At Gary Sheffield Jr., talk about the show. What do we got? Yeah, so it's just a Yankees podcast. Um, it's going to be more casual for me. Um, we're bringing on some, some really fun people, bringing on Bob Mannery. Um, he's got a huge podcast going right now. Um, Lisa Ann's coming on the show. So obviously we're not going heavy on the baseball guests, but, but we, we just want to have fun. And, and ultimately, I love baseball. I want to grow this game. And, and we were obviously just looking to build a platform and we're getting great views so far. So um, I have no complaints yet. And uh, I appreciate you bringing me on. Where, where can people you can get, get that on YouTube? At sh- it, it, What's the name? Yeah, of the it? show's what called Chef Talk and the network is NYY News TV. So um, you can find that all on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, anywhere, really anywhere you listen to your podcast. So um, it's amazing, honestly, at this point with technology, we'll record a show and it goes to eight different places. It's like hard to figure out where we're going. But no, I, I appreciate anyone that tunes in. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. Mentory's great. Isn't oh, Mentory is hilarious. I mean, we we golfed in Vegas um, a few years back. So we became friends after that. Um, occasionally when he comes out to Arizona, we'll grab dinner. But the dude's hilarious. And, and I'm looking forward to having him as a guest. We're definitely going to have fun, and it's definitely not a kid's show. I'll tell you that. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. That's awesome, man. Tell Mentory he's got a fan in Indianapolis because I just I think he's just fantastic. So, hilarious. Hey, Gary, thanks, man. Appreciate you taking a few minutes Dan, thank with you. Us. My pleasure. That's Gary Sheffield, Jr. Make sure that you tune in. Uh, see – a lot of you guys and gals poo-poo baseball, but really secretly you like baseball. And I know you do. And by the way, just so you know, Tiger Woods over here on my screen is getting ready to tee off here uh, in a few minutes. And I got to tell you, um, I like it. Like I, today for me, now again, this doesn't happen every day during the baseball season, but I got Tiger Woods right here getting ready to tee off. I got the Cubs getting ready. I got my boy Boog Shambi getting ready to call Cubs games. I got to get Boog on next week. It's a great day. It's not kind of a great day. No. This is a great, great day. Opening day of the Masters. Opening day at, uh, at Wrigley. What do you want? I'm even going to bet the Cubs. The Cubs stink, but now Gary's got me excited, so I'm going to bet the Cubs. And don't at me, people. All right. Uh, When we come back, I got a couple things for you. We got a new segment called Dan's Do's and Don'ts. Some of it might be sports. Some of it might be gambling. Some of it might be how you act. Some of it might be how not to act. But Dan's Do's and Don'ts will become a staple because, well, I mean, frankly... Uh, Dan's do's and don'ts. If you listen to me, life will be good. And I was listening to Gary talking about, or who was it? Was it Gary talking about some, oh, uh, Trevor Bow? No, no, it was Chad talking about AJ Brown, not being very good on YouTube or on social media. I feel him. I don't think I'm very good on it, but I am not responding to anybody. Uh, you want the Cubs opening lineup? I'll give it to you. Some guy named Otega, Madrigal, Contreras, Hap. Schwindel, 
Schwindel was good at the end of the last year. Suzuki, Hayward, Wisdom, Horner, and Hendricks. That lineup stinks. Ortega, kind of a piece-together guy. Madrigal, good. Contreras, in no league is Contreras a three-hitter. Hap, we've been waiting for Hap for 100 years. Schwindel was, again, good last year. Suzuki, I don't know, but I know this. He's not coming into the Cubs hitting third. Hayward will bat 205, play nice right field. Wisdom came up, played well, about 30-year-old rookie. Horner will start out hot because Horner always starts out hot, and I like Nico Horner. If the Cubs win, Nico Horner becomes a heartthrob, and then Kyle Hendricks, who is the modern-day Greg Maddox, will be on the hill. That is not a lineup that a major market city should have. In fact, I look at this and I say, I'm not sure there's a guy that can hit 25 home runs on that team. What the hell? I forgot. There's nobody other than Contreras and Hayward left from 2016. Oh, man. Dan's do's and don'ts next. Tiger Woods getting ready to tee off at 11.04. This is a day. Let's have a day. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. It's back, baby. Yeah, Outkick the Tailgate is back April 16th. Tales of day today, the 7th, so you got nine days. Chad Withrow, Jill Savage, many guests. The New Jersey Generals are taking on the Birmingham Stallion, 7.30 Eastern on Fox. Get your tickets at theusfl.com and come on out. I'm coming. I don't know if I'm coming to that, but I'm absolutely coming to a USFL game by me. I'm excited. I like football, and I think most of us like football. Look, oh, man, this ain't real football. Shut up. Let me ask you a question. Are guys playing hard? Does it have a line? Is there a first down? Is it a pigskin? Uh, can I bet on it? It's football. <laughs> that's, basically, that's basically what I got. I mean, look, if I can do all those things, then it's football. And I got to tell you, there will be a league. Now, I understand. I get it. The NFL is huge. But there will be a league. And this will be the league, the USFL on Fox, that makes a run at it. I'm telling you. I mean, what are you going to watch? Think about it. You're not going to spend every Saturday, Sunday. You're going to be watching the USFL. I'm going to be watching the USFL. I'm going to get to know the teams. I'm going to promote the living hell out of it. And I want us to watch. That's all I got for you. It's going to be great. What, what? I mean, more football is not bad. Well, I'm not watching football in the spring. Well, you're going to spring game. Nothing better. I watch football year-round. In fact, you could put football and college basketball on year-round, and I'll watch them both. Don't matter to me. I mean, what do I got to do? What I got to do right now is Dan's do's and don'ts. Now, this is going to be a variety of things. This is our first one. So I'm going to lead with what I always always leave my kids with, always left my players with, and it's simply this. 
avoid arrest. Avoid arrest. Don't get arrested. You don't want handcuffs. Avoid arrest. That is the number one do. Avoid arrest. Every Friday or Saturday, if we had a workout or whatever, or after a game, I go, fellas, you know, team on three, whatever you say, avoid arrest. My players, to this day, I'll get texts from guys, hey, coach, avoid arrest. Avoid arrest at all costs. Not all costs. Because when you avoid arrest, here's a don't. Don't commit more crimes while avoiding arrest. Think about it. This just happened in Indiana. So a dude named Xavier Johnson is the point guard at IU. All right? He's going for whatever the reason, 90, down one of the main roads right into Bloomington, Indiana, at 3 o'clock in the morning, which is basically, as I've said on this show, hey, Ossifer, cuff me. He's in a charger with a muscle car. And 90 in this little area, like, you got to have a charge. You're not doing that in my traverse, right? So he's going 90. It's loud. Cop sees him. Cop's coming. What's he try to do? He tries to avoid arrest. Well, fine. But in the act of avoiding arrest... He commits more crimes. He pulls over into a parking lot. He tries to get in the back seat. One of the managers tries to get in the front seat. The cops are watching all this. So he doesn't just pull over. He try, He runs a red light. He tries to escape. That is adding more charges while trying to avoid arrest. They pull the parking lot. As I said, he trying to get in the back, let the manager take the rap. Guess what? That's more charges by avoiding arrest. It just happened. Remember this saying, ladies and gentlemen, the cover-up is worse than the crime. So, you're at a party. I don't know why you'd be at a party. Most of you watching this are a little bit older. But you're at a party. Things that are happening at the party aren't great. You look. You see the cops coming before anybody else does. Out the back door. That's right. Out the back door, jump in the water, swim underwater across, and get the hell out of there. That's avoiding arrest. Or, better yet, how about you don't do something that'll get you arrested? You've had three beers. Don't drive. Some guy gets up in your face. Don't punch him. You're on the highway. Don't be banging into somebody. Hey, speed limit's 55, I'll give you 69. Speed limit's 70, I'll give you 79. But you don't need to be going 90. How about you do things that don't make you get arrested? Well, you know, what happened was, no, there's no what happened was. (laughs) And then, honest to God, don't, and I mean don't, commit a crime to avoid that arrest. Watergate wouldn't have happened if they didn't try to cover it up. All right. This is good advice. Write this down. I got a pen. I got paper. You need a pen. You need paper. Write this down. You ready? One time a year. I don't care. Your budget, 
Maybe if you're budget, maybe if you're a rich guy, you can do it five times a year. But one time a year, take your boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, wife, husband, whatever, one time, and go to a concert that you both like. Doesn't have to be just she likes. I mean, why be miserable? Hey, look, I don't need to see Celine Dion. All I need to do is hear one song. Play that Titanic song and we're good. Concert you both agree on and go first class. Get a limo. Get backstage passes. Go VIP. One time, it may cost you a little bit, but so what? It's a great experience. My wife and I basically do that. We've slowed it down because of COVID. But usually, we go see Kid Rock. I remember we went to go see see Kid Rock in Jersey, backstage passes, the whole nine yards. We saw him again here. Toby Keith, same thing. Uh, Kid Rock opened up with Cool and the Gang, Uncle Cracker, and it was a great night. We're backstage. Do it once a year. It's a great way to go about it. I'll tell you what we're doing. My wife and I, end of this month, we are going to Chicago. We're getting tickets to uh, Wrigley Field. And we're staying at the Zachary, which is right across the street. We don't do it 100 times. I don't have a budget for that. I'm not made of money. And I don't want to do it 100 times. But I'll tell you this, it's a great weekend. We're inviting our kids if they want to come. We got two queen beds. Anybody want to stay? Fine. But the Zachary Hotel is legitimately on the grounds damn near Wrigley Field. It's right there. And it's a great hotel. So that's what we want. We don't do it 10, but you do it once. Do it. Do it. Don't. And I am the worst person in the world to tell you this. Serenity now. Serenity now. Don't argue with people on Twitter. I've spent the last 10 years arguing with people on Twitter. I've spent the last month not arguing with people on Twitter. I have been off Twitter. I have been on Twitter, but not tweet. I have argued with people. Now I'm not arguing with people. And all of those combined, there's only one that's really good. It's being on Twitter because I got to do a show. And to do a show, Twitter has made it a hell of a lot easier than going from website to website. I get my information. But I don't argue. And by not arguing, I can see the anger of the same people that want to argue with me building up. And I like it. I don't respond to anybody. Nobody. You can call me whatever. You can say I'm whatever. I ain't responded. That's the best Twitter. Period. Being off Twitter, that wasn't bad. But it was too much damn work getting ready for this show, promoting this show, getting ready for my other show, promoting that show. Man, it's a lot easier, all of it, if you are on Twitter. But man, it's really weird for me to say it because I've spent a lifetime. But don't argue with people on Twitter and watch them get madder and matter, and matter, and matter. Awesome. Here's a do for you. This is an easy one. This is one that is an automatic. In fact, 
do sit on your couch all day Sunday watching the Masters. Go to church in the morning, get a workout, and sit. Sitting has a bunch of different connotations. What does that really mean? I'll tell you what that really means. One, and this is a don't, schedule anything, nothing, on the Sunday of the Masters. Just don't do it. Hey, honey, can, no, no. I made, I've, I, had, I have an ex-wife and I have a wife. When I got married to my ex-wife, I said two things. I said, number one, look, I got to be able to watch the majors, whether it's the U.S. Open, whether it's the Masters, whether it's the Open Championship, or whether it's the PGA. Now, frankly, I like the Open Championship because it's usually in the morning. I don't watch it religiously. The U.S. Open, I'm usually a Thursday, or excuse me, I'm usually a Saturday-Sunday guy. PGA, I will watch. I loved when it was on the West Coast, so it was at night. All right. But the Masters is different. The Masters, we know the freaking holes. So don't schedule anything on this day. Do sit on your backside and watch it all day. If you got to get up, I got a, I got a Peloton over there. I got a 100-year-old elliptical over here that they don't even make anymore. If you got to get up, get up. If you got to go for a walk, go for a walk. But make daggone sure, even if you're not a golf fan, that you watch the Masters. Few reasons why. Number one, it's different. Did you know that they only have two minutes of commercials per hour on the Masters? 58 minutes. That's like in the contract for CBS. 58 minutes of Masters, two minutes of commercials per hour. Per hour. The Masters always delivers high drama. What do you mean by that? I'm betting you today and tomorrow there'll be some old guy in there. I'm also betting you that on Sunday, when you are sitting and watching, when the leaders or the guys ahead of the leaders that are sitting around the leaderboard, when they come to 13, which is a par five dog leg left, that if you hit a great drive around the trees, you got a low iron in. I'm telling you, the drama on 13 and 15 and then 16 is unbelievable. 17, I don't know. 18's a great drive, a lot of drama. I'm telling you, even if you're not a golf fan, 13, 15, 16, the drive on 18, magical. Magical. And if Tiger Woods is in it, hell, wake up early dressing all red, and hang out and act like you're Tiger freaking Woods. Now, a couple of suggestions for food on Masters Sunday, since I'm not going to be talking to you guys until Monday. Do yourself a favor. Do yourself this favor. Trust me on this. Go get yourself some Ritz. Ritz or Townhouse. Don't get fancy crackers. Ritz or Townhouse. They'll do the trick. Then go out and get yourself, now hear me out, some pimento cheese spread. Pimento cheese spread is awesome, number one. And number two, nothing says the masters than a Wonder Bread pimento cheese sandwich at Augusta. Go get some pimento cheese spread. Also, go to the fine cheese aisle. That's right. And go look around. 
Don't get those slices from the deli or those packaged American slices. No. Spend a little money. Cheese is expensive. Go get yourself a nice cheese that you like. Maybe you like a gargonzola. Maybe you like a good baby Swiss. I don't know. Maybe you like a little something in a Gouda. But whatever you like, buy it. Just screw it and buy it. All right? Now, here's the key. Go into the jelly section and buy strawberry jelly. Stay with me here. Also, then go into the soft drink section and go get Diet A&W root beer. If you don't like Diet A&W root beer, fine. Get regular root beer. If you don't like either, get yourself a Fresca. I'll tell you why in a minute. So now, when you come home, actually the night before, if you have a frosty mug or two, put the frosty mug, water it a little bit, and put it in the freezer. Now, this gives you options, and do it with two. One, if you want for soft drinks. Two, if you want a frosty mug for beer. Don't skimp on this. I'm telling you, you got a plate full of cheese and crackers and jelly. You got a frosted mug full of A&W root beer. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. There is nothing better on Masters Sunday. In fact... I hope it rains Masters Sunday. I root for rain. Now, I'm going to be in Vegas, so I got to adjust, but I want it to rain on Masters Sunday because I don't want to have any excuse other than to sit on my backside. Clip this, follow it, and never, ever, 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 ever bet on the first-round leader of the Masters. Don't do it. Wire to wire is a mother. And I'll get into that as we go right here to my fades. So here's my fades for this weekend. Get a pen and paper. Here's my fades. One, bet the over on both Pacer games this weekend. The Pacers stink. They're going to play at Philadelphia on Saturday and at New Jersey on Sunday. I don't know who's playing for anybody, all right? But I know this. I know the Pacers stink. And I know the Pacers are going to get down about 30, fight it back to nine. That's what they do. If you want to bet the over in the first half, that might be even better. But they've got two games this weekend to close out the season And the over is like freaking free money. The only thing that can screw you up, I guess, would be the Nets not playing anybody who they play on Sunday and maybe Philadelphia not playing anybody. But I'm telling you, Tiger Woods on a bad leg, me, Ryan, Dylan, and Chad, we could drop 110 against the Pacers. Just telling you, take the over. And you might want to take the team over for both Philadelphia and New or Brooklyn. You might. I mean, look, over. And if you lose, I don't care. I still stand by the bets. I do. I still stand by the bets. Because they are so awful. They don't care. They give up points like it's their job, which apparently it is. Take them over. Dustin Johnson. I'm going to assume Dustin Johnson is going to make the cut here. 
For whatever the reason, on Sunday at Augusta, and I don't have any numbers to back this up. This is all by feel. For some reason, Dustin Johnson on Sunday at Augusta plays pretty well. Now, he's had a few missteps. But I'm watching Dustin Johnson the other day, and he's playing in the third-place match, and he didn't care to start with, and then he got playing. I'm not saying Dustin Johnson is going to win the Masters. Don't get me wrong. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you can go to uh, FanDuel and you can bet matchups, meaning let's just say for the sake of argument, Tommy Fleetwood and Tiger Woods, there's a matchup. Whoever Dustin Johnson is matched up against on Sunday, I didn't say Saturday. I didn't say Friday. I didn't say uh, today. I said Sunday. Dustin Johnson will play well on Sunday, unless maybe he's in the lead, then sometimes guys just, you know, the bed. But to me, Dustin Johnson will play well on Sunday, bet his matchup against whoever it is. You have right now, what is it? It says 11.04, so you have 15 minutes right now to get a Tiger Woods to make the cut. Tiger Woods is going to make the cut. The only way Tiger Woods doesn't make the cut, in my humble opinion, is if Tiger Woods has a misstep and something happens with his leg. But there are some gambling sites that give you Tiger insurance. And what that means is, let's say you bet $20 on Tiger Woods to make the cut. Let's say Tiger Woods is walking down the second fairway. He falls down. He's out of the tournament. Well, they're going to give you, most places are going to give you your bet back. So that's what they call Tiger Woods insurance. My bets for the Masters are this. I've got Tony Finau to make the cut, $50 to win, not much. Then I made all these idiotic bets. I got Tiger Woods to make the cut, $115 to win $100, you know, to win $215 to win $100. I got the Masters. I got Dustin Johnson, $50 bet to win $850. Adam Scott with a top 10 finish, $20 bet to win $137. John Rahm, $25 bet to win $350. Brooks Kepka, I got a $100 bet, ladies and gentlemen, to win $2,100. That's what I got. You got to. And then, since I'm going to Vegas... The first thing I'm going to do when I land, obviously it takes about forever, two hours to get from your uh, airport or when you land to your hotel. It takes for freaking ever. But anyway, I digress. First thing I'm going to do is in Vegas make a $100 bet on something relative to the Masters because it's fun. So there you go. But I do believe, and this is very odd, I do believe in Dustin Johnson on Sunday, assuming he makes the cut. If he doesn't make the cut, then you don't make the bet. But Tiger Woods to make the cut, I will say this. I just watched him. He does have a limp. That concerns me. But I think he's got too much you-know-what to not make the cut. And then I already said the last one. Never bet on the first-round leader. Again, I don't know the metric on this. All I know is this. There's two things that happen. There's always an old guy, and it could be Freddie Couples this year. I saw an R- or I saw a little special right here on the TV about Freddie Couples, and guys are like, man, he's swinging it great. I think Freddie Couples is going to make the cut. 
blah, blah, blah. That's fine. That's all good. But never, ever, ever, there's two things. One, the first-round leader's going away. And two, there will be an old guy make the cut. My bet, Freddie Couples or Bernard Longer. Bernard Longer is one of those guys that stretches all the time. You know what I mean? Like Gary Player back in the day was always, you know, he was doing yoga. He was into fitness. And Gary Player can still swing it. Jack was eating hamburgers. Jack can't still swing it. But anyway... Bernhard Langer is that guy. He is the new fitness guy. So Bernhard Langer, I don't know, today, tomorrow, I may be off on this because he may have already teed off and I haven't looked, but Bernhard Langer or Freddie Couples are the two guys that I would put money on. In fact, while I'm talking to you, I think I'm going to do it right now on Freddie Couples unless he's already out there and he's playing like Garbage. And if he's playing like Garbage, I got no interest. But that's just me. Uh, you can't bet on... Okay, hold, hang on here, caller. Yeah, it doesn't look like you can bet on make the cut or not. All right. All right. Tournament lines, I don't see make the cut. I see a bunch of guys, so never mind. But I will tell you this. I do think... Um, I do think that Brooks Kepka is going to play well. For some reason, I don't know. You know what Brooks Kepka is? He's cool. He reminds me of me. Just an American badass walking around out there. Man, it's been a pretty good week. We had the NCAA tournament. Some guy named Migalozzi is winning the Masters. Don't bet on Migalozzi. I mean, I'm not saying he's not good. He's in the Masters for crying out loud. Are you crazy? But there's no reason to bet. What's his name? Guido Migliazzi. No. Mm-mm. He's minus two. Harry Higgins, Min Woo Lee is up there. Stuart Sink sniffing around it. He's even. Even is pretty good right now. Uh, you know, a lot of guys you don't know. Uh, Cream will rise to the top. Uh, Larry Mises plus two. You know, hey, just do what I'm telling you. Just do what I'm telling you. The good group to follow today is Joaquin Neiman, Louis Oosthuizen, who a lot of people think is going to win the Masters. A lot of people think, you know what? Finau, Scheffler, and Scott are going out later. Longer uh, is going out at noon. I still don't see my guy. I'm looking for my guy, and I don't see my guy. Dustin Johnson at 2, Rahm at 2.11, Spieth at 2.22, Kepka, the last group out, 2.33. They're trying to kill me with Kepka. Spike marks. Anyway, uh, if you want more of this act, before I go to Vegas, from noon to 3 today, I'll be on 107.5. The fan, and I'm telling you right now, when that, when 256 hits today, I got a 425 or four whatever flight. My ass is gone. I mean, G O O O N. I mean, I'm gone. I'm getting to Vegas. I'm getting there around six. I'm having a sandwich, a beer. I'm getting to a blackjack table. Then I'm getting to a craps table. I'm taking a nap. I'm getting up around 5.30. Got a golf match with my boys at 6.30. Got another one at 12.30. I'm going home. Probably going to pass out. I'll recover. I'll get to a blackjack or craps table. I'll take a nap. And I'm doing it all again on Saturday, baby. Yeah. If you see me in the airport, uh, don't feel me to be rude if I don't say hello because, frankly, 
I'm going to have to be hustling my you-know-what off to get to the damn gate. Hey, those of you guys, El Presidente, Jennifer, and the rest that are always on the YouTube chat, thank you so much for doing that. Everybody that has joined in, thank you. Don't be afraid to retweet everything that we're doing because we are trying to make this the go-to show in the United States. Have you seen the improvement? Like, uh, uh, Ryan and Dylan, man, they're working behind the scenes. They got graphics up. We had audio up. Are you kidding me? It's all good. Have a great afternoon, everybody. As we always say, Dockage out!